It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 370 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Hellguard, Curse of Cana. It is July 26, 2022, and this is Jen. Today, I have not one, but two special guests with me that I'm very excited to talk to. We've been chatting a little bit before the show started, and we just hit it off, it seems. Um, so I have two of the people who are the lead designers of Helgard Curse of Cana, which is a TTRPG game. I've got Max Carr and Mikhail Sabag. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, thank you for having us. us. How fun. It is. It's been fun. Like we just hit it off. Like I said, and talking about geeky <laughs> things, you know, any tabletop <laughs> thing. Exactly. Exactly. For the family, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I don't often get to talk about TTRPG games on this show, so I thought this would be interesting. And I also think, um, since what I've been reading from, um, let's see, there was a Dicebreaker article about your your game, and I've been looking at yeah. your. Um, Kickstarter as well, and I, it's my understanding that some of this includes sort of like D and uh, not just D and D, but like well, maybe maybe some D and D, but um, <laughs> Diablo and Castlevania. How did that weave its way in yeah. there? It, I mean, uh, and tell me, Mikhail, I'm sure you'll you'll have more to add. Uh, generally, we're we're looking around as we have this one night kind of horrific role playing game experience, and we're looking for something that we. We love that hasn't been represented incredibly in the tabletop space and this sort of infernal horror, infernal fantasy, demons and devils. I mean, obviously, Diablo knocked it out of the park. They have for many years on the CRPG side, right? And then, you know, you have re- this kind of recent influx of really high quality anime on Netflix, like you have Castlevania and The Witcher and all that this sort of incredible, horrific uh, TV shows. Uh, so all of it informed Cana, you know, and then sort of our love of like biblical mythos and, and some of the creepy stuff you have there, Dante's Inferno. I mean, Cana itself is, boy, I think it's like the ninth layer of hell near the River Cocytus, right? Where all the betrayers are supposed to live. Something like that. A mystery from, out of Dante Alighieri's. Yeah. I don't think I've read it, yeah. but you hear enough about it as you just... You know, yeah, the world. kind of all over. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Yeah, we actually... You know, we have a fun Gen Con memory because we go to Gen Con every year uh, where we're in this little, you know, uh, family owned steakhouse, like a like a, a lovely little restaurant. And it was called Dante's and they served the bill in uh, a copy of Dante's Inferno, which we thought was the coolest thing. Oh, how nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very mood, you know, Very mood. oh, yeah. super heavy, mm-hmm. super heavy metal. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Mikhail, did you wanna... No, I was going to say, yeah, I think you you kind of hit it on the head right there. One of when we were designing this, one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to create a tabletop role playing game that would be sort of something that board gamers could, or the board gamers or the RP, the tabletop RPG curious could really easily get into. And we're like, well, all right, cool. So we'll make it like a really finite, accessible experience because you know Max and I are both in our thirties. Our time is limited. 
And <laughs> and we know that that's yeah. the case for many, many uh, tabletop gamers as yeah. well. That like we want to come together, you know, as frequently as possible to play games, but real life can get in the way of that. That's for sure. So we figured we create something where you can kind of, you know, either if you're curious or if you're between campaigns or you want to introduce somebody to the hobby, we wanted to create uh, a game that would help onboard people into that. And we're like, all right, cool. So it's going to be a one night kind of game. And what works well for one night? And we're like, well, horror really shines in one night. And then moving from that, well, what kind of horror would it be? And we're like, well, we haven't seen a ton of really good fantasy horror. I mean, we've seen some like spooky fantasy and we've seen a little, and we've definitely seen some horror, but we haven't seen those two things in dialogue in the tabletop sphere, as Max uh, had mentioned not in the same way that we had seen in the computer uh, role-playing game sphere. So we wanted to bring our love of all of those awesome like games into the tabletop space. Sounds fantastic. I mean, when I first read this, I was so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's everything I needed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got your classic mix of goat people and demons. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, like, you can't sure. go wrong. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit of like an anime flair. You know, we... Another thing we hadn't seen is you have this incredible, I mean, there's like the Korean MMORPG kind of scene, right? Mm. Where it's all just stunning art. And, you know, one of the the funny things, you get to a lot of these either turn-based RPGs or whatever, and the combat can kind of drag. So we were thinking, well, it would be incredible if we could find a way to get some of that high-flying Technicolor anime combat flair in a tabletop RPG. You know, you play Vampire the Masquerade Mm -hmm. like we do, right? Combat. Oddly, in Vampire, in some ways, it can feel more tense than in Dungeons and Dragons. D&D, you'll spend two hours in combat, right? And right. we'll go turn by turn, and at, the, at a certain point, you kind of look at your watch and you go, oh my god, you know, like I know the skeleton has 40 more hit points, but can we please? Yeah, I got places to be. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> and, and we love the combat, but it doesn't feel tense. Like, you inverse it, though. Sometimes Vampire the Masquerade or these, some, uh, these more narrative systems, combat is like two rounds and everything that happens matters like the whole the whole game the whole landscape changes in one turn Mm -hmm. you know all of a sudden everything gets on its head so we wanted that on a grid high flying we wanted the battlefield to shift and change we wanted the decisions to matter um, and of course we wanted to infuse it with all the spooky creepy hellish energy we could Absolutely. Like, I remember, you know, you're talking about how long combat can take in Dungeons and Dragons. We had a group of eight players. And, oh. and because oh, we God. had like, we had a group of us that started with the original series we were doing and, and um, of a, a world, um, it's on Cogwheel Gaming, actually, you can listen to the audio, they, we just do audio over there. And uh, had like four or five players, and then other people wanted to join in, and we ended up with like eight people trying to do combat at once for fighting the oh. big bad, and it took forever. Oh, and so what happened was, I mean, it wasn't like the big big bad; it was like a minion or something. And uh, we ended up splitting the party literally into two different campaigns, and so wow. it, just to, so that we wouldn't have to go through like several That's hours hilarious. of combat again. <laughs> and it worked better that way. And the interesting thing was at the time I was playing a cleric, a half orc cleric, and someone else was playing in the other campaign as um, I can't remember the class, but both of us had uh, sending, you know. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. so, so if we were forth. trying to, yeah, there were times where I'd sit <laughs> oh, in the, like we did it through the discord and, um, I'd be sitting in the discord, like listening to the show and all of a sudden it would be like, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna do a sending to you know my character, and so I'd be like, oh, and I'd type back you know what I was doing, responding oh, with, cool, and it was our way of transferring information from one group to the other. You know. Wow, it yeah. almost becomes like a West Marches game where you're all playing in the same world at, at similar times. That's mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah, oh, it was really neat, <laughs> and it just it was, it was oh, a lot I, fun. that reminds me of another one I mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't share, but will we were you know, young and, and foolish. And mm. we would go up to this cabin in the woods to play, you know, D oh, wow. and D drink in park as, as, as nerds did. I don't know, but <laughs> at a certain point, you know, it evolves and there are exactly like you, eight people at mm-hmm. the table, all inebriated oh, my. and me trying to run this poor game, you know, for whatever reason, I, I hadn't had anything to drink that evening. And I just looked at the chaos, like, you know, somebody's <laughs> on somebody's shoulders like people in the bathroom, <laughs> it's falling apart. Like the music's going, and I said, "Okay, like I, I can't." You know, I, they asked how much XP at the end of the uh, session they got. We're playing D and D third edition. Mm-hmm. I said, "You each get three experience points." And they said, "What do you mean only three? Oh. I said, "You're not allowed to hit level two because this is hard enough as it is. Like, like you're never allowed to hit level two. So every time we play, you're going to get three XP. You know, congrats. Yeah. There you go. Oh wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my gosh." Yeah, I remember back in the day playing D&D in somebody's apartment and um, just squishing everyone into the room and bringing all oh, the snacks God. and, like, sleeping yeah. over there on the floor and you know, stuff oh, like that. Take me back. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love days. that. You get whatever pizza deal is, like, cheapest exactly. in a three-square-mile radius. Yep. You walk yeah. in the grocery store. Oh, my yeah. God. I remember the first time when I, I started playing uh, tabletop role-playing games in college. And I remember at the time, it was like a big deal. My uh, partner at the time, uh, their friend, were uh, one of their friends was the GM. And he and his wife would come up. like They would do like an hour and a half drive to get up to where we were. We would And they would take Sunday off. And we would play for like four hours. Then we would all get lunch. And they would come up early in the morning. And then we'd play like... For another six to eight hours and then have oh, dinner and then they would go. And it was just like 12 hours of gaming all shoved into one day and we would do that once a month because there was no way to meet otherwise but wow. it was oh, man, take me back yeah wow. i mean we, oh. we did the thing where it was like bring in a bunch of sodas and, and maybe beer yeah. and you know order a pizza uh you know everyone gets Locked too tired down, to play yeah. just have a nap and you know <laughs> it was just it was like great i mean truly right falling asleep with like uh, second and third edition source books like no 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 you know y'all don't understand there's a there's an extra fighter feed in here i'm sure i gotta oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing and it's funny i think one of the reasons we landed with horror like whether we're playing uh, computer games or or tabletop there are these moments at the table that bring everybody really closer together and for me it tended to be when we were all outnumbered and outmatched Right. Like when it was just too much to handle, we all looked at each other and said, OK, here we go. You know, hold hands. We're going to do it. You know, Stranger Things style. Right. Or, right. or when it was horror, when we were afraid, not just afraid for our characters, but like, you know, we'd have as a GM, I kill the lights or I crank the air conditioning and make it cold or we'd have people. Wow. We would literally have people sometimes that we would text. Right. Who would wander outside the rooms with flickering red lights, you know, or. Or something like that. And those moments are just iconic. You know, those horrific moments, which we kind of wanted to bring into the game. So. Sounds really good. I think, like I said, this is going to attract people that are listening to my show for for Diablo, but also play TTRPG. You know, I think they're going to do oh, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Diablo is just incredible. I mean, it's even the artwork we see from 
Brom for oh, D4. Brom. Uh-huh. Like, oh my gosh. Like that that takes me right back to like like high school D D and I adore it. It's That's incredible cool. stuff. Yeah, I think he's done like I know he did stuff for D three as well. I think one of his sons is also now doing Diablo art or something like that. Son's an adult. I think he's got a second son that makes sound or something, but yeah. We're in SoCal, so Blizzard's down there, right? And and so, of course, we find ourselves at, at BlizzCon. Not only are a bunch of our, you know, gaming group Blizzard folks, you know, and and playtesters, we find ourselves at BlizzCon quite frequently. And I, I remember walking in, you know, what was it, Mikhail, a couple of years ago, right? Uh, yeah, it was been oil painting. 2019, I want to say. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and wandering in, you see this, wow, I don't know, it must have been 15 feet long or something. And it's this incredible physical oil painting. And it was just, it literally took your breath away. Oh. Wow. Just horrific. Yeah. That's cool. We uh, missed 2019. Um, I did go to 2018 for the announcement of Diablo Immortal. <laughs> People were playing. Oh, again. how D4. are you doing? Oh, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> that was a you thing. You were in that room. I was in that room. I was in that room too, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my you all know. Was, I was in another one. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. all know what happened. <laughs> oh, my God. That just freaked me out, we you there. know. Um because I'd talked to Wyatt Chang in previous BlizzCons and stuff like that. And he like he knew back in the day, 2013, 2014, my husband and I went to that. Uh, the rest of our crew went to that as well. And um, he knew who we were. He knew our show, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And Ugh. he's just really nice, you know. Just a nice guy. He is. Nice he's guy. so nice. And so when he was talking about Diablo Immortal... And showing some of the gameplay and stuff, you know, people were kind of like, okay, that's cool. We're going to hear about D4 soon, right? And they weren't. They weren't able to. But um, a lot of the people that were very, like, I only play on PCs and that's it, were really hoping for it to be on PC. And then someone asked about, hey, is this going to only be on mobile? And Wyatt Chang basically said, yeah, it's it's a mobile game. It's going to be on mobile. And that's when all hell broke loose. And I remember, like, that was the BlizzCon where they um, had the, like, metal detectors outside. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that. And I remember going through it and, like, seeing people, like, these poor cosplayers that had metal inside their outfits to try to, like, keep things in proportion and all this. And they're getting dinged. And I'm like, oh, God, this is a nightmare, you know. And so I'm hearing all of these, like, angry men screaming at the front of the (laughs) stage. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. Because, I mean, I have PTSD. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know. (laughs) Right? So um, (laughs) it was awful. But I came back for the second panel. And um, I was texting on my phone to people in the Soulstone Discord at the time. I wasn't a host at the time. But I was, I think I was... I think I was actually, I might have been doing editing at that point, but they were listening to it from the uh, digital, you know, service because they couldn't go. And Wyatt Chang starting to talk about like, here you have this character that's going to help you through this dungeon and it's, it's a sorceress and she's going to be showing you all this lore. And, and he said the name, which I couldn't make out exactly. I thought he said Chen, but my entire discord went, he said, Jen, he's making a character for you. And I'm like, no, he's not. You know, no, that can't be true. You know? That's so, funny. yeah. And so later, um, you know, you, you've been to BlizzCon, you know, to go to the bars afterwards and, um, you know, yeah. one or the other, whenever the DJ comes out, we all split to the other one. Right. And, uh, 
And I was, you know, walking towards the bathroom and came out of the bathroom and I passed by on the way uh, Wyatt Chang talking to like two or three people in that hallway because it was quieter, you know. And so I just like stood there for a minute because I didn't want to interrupt his conversation. I was hella drunk, but, you know, I was like, <laughs> I, even me drunk, I don't sound much different, you know. Um, hell of a tolerance, I guess. So I'm just standing there waiting. And then somebody said to him, hey, you know, here's someone wants to talk to you. And I said, okay, so... I know that you said there was a character in the in Diablo Immortal that was like gonna a sorceress was gonna help you through something and a lot of lore and all this. Now everyone in my Discord thinks you said Jen. Is that what you said? Because I just need an answer for them, you know. <laughs> and he was really nice. He said, "Sorry to disappoint you, but no, the character is not named Jen. The character is named Chen." <laughs> And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you're not disappointing me. You don't owe me a character. It's fine. And just kind of went back to my group, you know. <laughs> but, but no, now, now you planted down. that seed for future characters, Jen. Maybe. So, <laughs> yeah. I played the demo of uh, the game too, and just it's ripping fun. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, blows my mind that stuff like that exists on a phone. Like, it's oh just, yeah, I can't even dispute it. I'm playing, uh, yeah, you know, I'm playing Baldur's Gate two. You know, going oh, this. Yeah. Diablo Immortal looks a hundred times better, more incredible on my phone than Baldur's Gate 2 now looks on my my monitor. It mm. just blows my mind. Yeah, I haven't played that in a while. I think back in the day when it was new, I tried it out. And I had like I had a Frankenstein of a computer, so nothing ran very well. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I did play Diablo 1 on it, like until the like sun came up so many times I've lost count, you know. And, that kind of thing. Oh God, yeah. same here. Mm-hmm. I I even played Diablo One uh, single screen co op on the PlayStation One with a friend of mine. Wow. <laughs> and it was so, and it was pretty. It was like a, like a dual joystick kind of situation. And like your cursor was, I remember it was like a blue and red spark that would kind of travel around and have a little trail that you aimed with. And it was oh gosh, good time couch <laughs> co op. And then and then kind of D three. I mean, I played mm-hmm. a ton of D two in high school, but then I remember. D3 was one of the ways I remember I like I got like my whole beautiful kit for it. I got the big old box and I stood outside GameStop like mm-hmm. at midnight and then I and I downloaded and installed everything and I got Error 37 like oh, so many other people God. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was there for, for that. 72 consecutive hours and then I finally got to play it. And then I remember later when it was on like PlayStation 3 or 4 or something and I ended up uh, playing with my significant other and it brought back couch co-op into my and I was remembering, oh, like, oh, this is so great that I can share this with somebody again, like in person. That's cool. That's but cool. oh man, yeah. yeah no, D- uh, Diablo's been with me. Uh, God, it kind of feels like my whole life. I-, I-, I think I started playing Diablo one on my uh, PC. Gosh, I must have been like eleven or twelve or thirteen or something. It would have been like um, somewhere in the nineties. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Close to 2000, yeah. maybe. Or maybe that was D2. Yeah, I, I, That one wouldn't play on my computer, so I couldn't do it. Oh. But, you know, going back to that era 37, my husband and I were trying to get in at the same time, you know? And, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. like, we kept getting era 37, and I he wanted to start as a barbarian, and I wanted to start as a demon hunter. So my first character was a demon hunter named 37, which I still have because she was um, <laughs> softcore. <laughs> you know? that's oh, fantastic. That's... Oh, that's so smart. I should have done that. Yeah, oh. I just, like, wrote it out in letters, and I'm like, there we are. You know? yeah. 
Oh, that's clever. Yeah, it just it seemed like the thing to do at the time. You know? It was a that's a beautiful homage. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then one year at BlizzCon, I can't remember which year it was, but they said you could put your character name on your your uh, like the little lanyard tag thing. And so I put thirty seven, and nobody seemed to care. You know? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they saw it or not, but it was was a thing okay so you guys have a kickstarter for your game and how's that going and what <laughs> what kind of thing is what kind of things can people obtain through the been a learning experience starter oh uh, i bet it was a learning experience <laughs> yeah you know we're just uh we're just a couple guys well i mean i should say that we're, we're spoiled right if you've seen the team is outlined on the kickstarter and if mm-hmm. you look at it it's ridiculous it's like ed greenwood and, and monster fight club and level of dice and rich buyers and gwendolyn all these all these incredible people like our icons in the tabletop world mm-hmm. right so i say it's a learning experience you know, to a degree, we, we can't even say that because we're surrounded by these veterans who saw the project, who loved it, hopped on board enthusiastically, uh, taking time to contribute in these huge, incredible ways. So the Kickstarter itself, the Hellgard Curse of Canada Kickstarter, you guys can find it just by hopping on the Kickstarter, looking up Hellgard. It's one word. It's right there. Um, what we're really excited about are, are some of the additional goodies Kickstarter has allowed us to deliver. So like in the box set. You know, we, we're promising a one-night horror game, right? Mm. One night, many times in a row. Right. Um, but certainly we want it to feel concluded, right, in, in a single evening of play, each little adventure, each horror adventure. So in that box set, people are going to have these incredible miniatures. They're going to have custom dice, battle maps, tokens, uh, pre-generated character sheets. You know, you, the last thing you want to do in a one-night horror game is be cracking open like a 600-page rule book to figure out how stuff works. You know, that's, we've yeah. been there. In Helgard, all of the stuff you need is on your sheet. It tells you how the powers work. And they work every single time. You know, so you're not going to fail. It's just going to be a matter of the consequences. Who in Kane is going to get hurt? You know, how the violence is going to uh, resolve. Uh, and, of course, what state Kane is in when you leave. Hopefully, it's a better place than when you got there. So, I don't know. Mikhail, maybe you have more to add. But I, I think Kickstarter has been a, a pretty cool experience. We've already smashed past the stretch goal. You know, we're rocking and rolling here. Yeah, it's um, and kind of doing all of this through Kickstarter has allowed us to swing for the fences in a in a bigger way than we would have been able to otherwise. Like so, with that box set, like it, it comes with all of these additional amazing goodies, and then we then and also kind of bringing people into the project where it's at now, sort of in this pre-press phase as we are putting the finishing touches on a bunch of our adventures and the mechanics and all that stuff is already dusted off well at this point. But we're able to bring in uh, even more playtesters for people who pledge sort of at the highest tier and want all the goodies and want the beautiful like anodized aluminum dice that uh, Level Up Dice has made possible for us and want to get this full set of amazing uh, solid metal like super thick if i may say uh campaign coins which we use as initiative trackers in the game and those are made by campaign coins the guys who do this and so the people that back at that level are also going to be acting as playtesters for us as well as sort of giving us even more feedback on this and really helping us refine and distill this project into the best possible thing it can be so that's kind of one of the other really exciting things about doing it through this platform. It gives you a lot of people to play test, I would think. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, cool. and 
and we've certainly uh, <laughs> we've certainly stretched the the playtesters that we already have. We've <laughs> been pretty thin with how frequently we've iterated, you know, and and it's been hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Well, and we're so lucky, right? Like I I tend to be the forever GM of our our gang, and we're always running anywhere from I don't know, maybe three to five campaigns in various systems. So talk about having like a 30 person pool of hostage playtesters <laughs> like it, it was pretty helpful so maybe there are a couple of times where you know we look at each other and people get to the table we slam, slam Helgar <laughs> down off the table and say okay here's the pizza and beer we're gonna run this combat 50 times in a row until we break it let's go and everyone's been an incredible good sport so it was it's been so fun engaging with people talk about the game that you know we were actually excited to open up the founders tier and invite the public to be a part of that playtest uh, process too that's awesome that's going to get people so interested especially if they like stream it or whatever you know oh yeah oh, oh my gosh yeah we got um in fact like even the streaming world and, um if you i don't know if you follow like la by night you know you have some incredible black dice society yeah. black dice society uh nora ibrahim has hopped on board. Uh, Cynthia Marie has been amazing uh, to talk to and help us get the word out here. Uh, B. Dave Walters, of all people, has uh, agreed and hopped on board to write a bonus adventure as a stretch goal. So it's uh, absolutely, you know, we're excited, hopefully, to see it streamed down the line. Um, we've already been in touch with Becca Scott and her team, and uh, and they're ready to go, excited to hop on board there. So, yeah. Awesome. It's so cool that, like, when I was looking through this um, before I talked about it on Shattered Soulstone, I'm looking at all these names, going, "Wow, this is <laughs> going, huge! Holy cow. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> big. This is going to be fantastic." Exactly how we feel. Like mm-hmm. exactly how we feel. Yeah. I mean, you could talk about. I mean, oh my gosh, like Gwendolyn Kestrel, right? And her incredible uh, adventures she wrote uh, for 3.0 and 3.5. Like some of the best written adventures for beginner GMs. Ever, ever. Um, and then you have Michelle Carter, right? Who's, you know, she's been the editor for D&D since what, like second edition, first edition? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, for, well as, into the present. Yeah. 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 I mean, my, my goodness. And, and the list goes on and on. Ed Greenwood is always incredible. Junch into Hetty. Um, yeah. uh, Dan Alkstrand, you know, did uh, book layout and design for like the Alien RPG and Cult and wow. uh, the One Ring some of these incredible uh, success stories. And, you know, we have this philosophy, you know, as we're doing this, we're saying, well, if we're going to do it, you know, who, what, what team uh, do we want to build around this? And we just literally are in my office. We start pulling books off the wall. These are our favorites, right? Over 20 plus years. These are our favorites. And then we just go down a list. Okay. Who did them? And as we reached out, people just got more and more excited and hopped on board. And it's, it's been a really cool ride. And it's been so wonderful and bizarre at times where even in terms of the sort of the process of gathering and contacting artists where Max and I would look at each other and we're like, oh man, that Castlevania, that Netflix Castlevania logo is so cool. Wouldn't it be great if we had a logo like that? And we're like, well, why don't we reach out to the guy who did it? And sure enough, Billy Garrison, who did the uh, logo for Castlevania and for Darksiders and, and a whole bunch of other things, ended up not only doing just the logo design for Helgard, but also the dice design oh, as well. Wow. Yeah, and we're so, dice, and then, uh, wow. dice geek like everybody. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and even some of our landscape art is uh, from an artist who ended up working on Castlevania and for like it because we're at the same studio. So it's just been a bizarre sort of embarrassment of riches for us to get all of our favorite people from like all of our favorite properties working on this thing. 
It sounds like it was meant to be. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been certainly seems that way. That's that's amazing because I know like you know Kickstarter is hit or miss. You know sometimes stuff doesn't really get an audience, and sometimes it does. And I think yours is going really well from the sounds of it. It's pretty cool, yeah. Especially it's you know it's always a risk when you're doing something outside of the current sort of uh, frame of reference, right? It's not a five E game. Right. I mean, that's number one. You know, number two is um, it's horror, right? And different people have different sensitivities. We mm-hmm. actually have brought people on board. Nora um, is incredible. She's going to be helping us write a pretty robust uh, system of safety tools, you know, ah, for good. dealing with horror. Good. But that's a different journey for everyone, right? And then you have the fact that it's a one-night game. You know, there are a ton of folks out there who play board games who love to play D&D or Pathfinder or whatever, right? But they look at a 600-page rule book or three of them, and they go, my gosh, you know, I, I can't. So all sorts of interesting risks. And I think this arrives at the at the apex of all of those in a really cool way. I mean, it's, it's exactly what we wanted it to be. So. That's always good to hear that it's exactly as you wanted it to be. You know, there's like no regrets here. There's like this amazing no. base of people helping you and and all of that. That's so very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's cool. You guys, uh, I mean, oh my gosh, uh, experience the same thing I'm. I'm sure, you know, as you play Vampire, it's a pretty uh, a pretty unique and powerful experience sometimes, you know, like going through a horror campaign with a bunch of friends. So. Right. It certainly can be. It depends on how you're playing it. But, like, my <laughs> my first Vampire game was way back in the day when I was in college, and we barely knew what we were doing. And it was, like, right around finals, and it didn't last very long, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, coming back to it more recently, the DM for that, um, his name's Tom. He's uh, Restless Barbarian Gaming. He's more into like the story elements, you know, than, I mean, yeah. there, there oh, yeah. is combat and there is horror in there. And my character did a lot of that in the first season of the one we did, or maybe the second season. But I feel like with Dungeons and Dragons, it's fun, but yeah, the combat can take a long time sometimes, depending on how many people you have and what you're doing. But like with Vampire, it seems to go faster and you, you get more of like an emotional thing in there with what your character's thinking or feeling. Yeah, as opposed to a bunch of five foot adjustments, right? And and it, it's all cool for different reasons. Right. You know, it's, I mean, we, we love tactical though. games too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. It just kind of depends. Mm-hmm. You know, in yeah, some ways, we, we, that's why we stayed for, away from Theater of the Mind here. Was like, we love the tactical part, and we want that here. Right. Well, you need both for a horror game. I mean, you have to defend, right, or attack. So, I mean, <laughs> I think there should be that in there. You're right. You know? Definitely and, and, different, yeah. Go ahead. And I was going to say, too, there's, there's kind of a great sort of meta double consciousness that's happening. Because when you're playing you know, a an action RPG that's isometric like Diablo, mm-hmm. it is in some ways as though you're looking at a battle map with minis on it. They just happen to be moving in real time. Mm-hmm. And so, and in Diablo, obviously movement and positioning matters a whole ton, especially when you have like those little like arcane turrets that pop up and the like little exploding icicles. I'm sure that there are terms for those and, and I don't know them. I'm That's sorry fine. to say. That's fine. People will know what you mean. Right. But we all know, yeah, we all, we've all played Diablo. We, we know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. And so in that same way, we wanted uh, positioning and movement to matter a lot, especially because, you know, with uh, action anime being one of the other sources of inspiration that we had, action uh, or movement and dynamism are really, really important to that genre. And we didn't want to create a game where you move into melee combat, you stand still and pack a whole bunch of times, and then you end your turn. And that's all that happens. And there's no real good reason to move, and there's no incentive to do so. 
So we definitely, it was important for us to have maps and minis and tokens because they better illustrated the kind of action narrative that we were hoping to convey through the game. That makes sense, yeah. I don't think I've heard of a game like this that includes like all the horror and all the action, but also in an anime way. That's something I would never have thought would go into a game, but it sounds like it's working for you. It's been a blast. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, we, we all have this fantasy. I think when you see these, you know, either it's anime on uh, some of your favorite down the years or on Netflix or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or, you know, my goodness, like the, the, the slew of Marvel movies, the superhero right. movies, right? <laughs> oh, With yeah. The combat, it's incredibly dynamic, right? There's mm-hmm. a ton of movement. There's a ton of color. And, and people are bringing this back load, right, of cultural touchstones when they show up at their table. So when you promise them fantasy adventure, people aren't just thinking Lord of the Rings anymore. They're thinking Marvel movies. And they sit down and play D&D. And it begs the question, well, is the combat delivering that or not, right? In mm-hmm. some of these games, many of these D20 systems, like Mikhail said, like optimally, tactically, Right. If you're that person with the suspenders who's looking in and, you know, you're trying to get the most out of your tactical turn, you can. A lot of times it makes sense to sit exactly where you are and have five attacks in a row. Boom, boom, boom. You take turns hitting each other, you and the bad guy, and somebody will die sometime. That doesn't deliver on the promise of a Marvel, uh, the promise of a Marvel movie, I think, in the same way. So, you know, in Hellguard, you stack damage by comboing with your friends. I mean, when was the last time you comboed at a tabletop RPG you know, combat session with your friend. Uh, the environment matters in a huge way, right? Torvald grabbing somebody with a molten hook and then Gwyn the Knight teleporting there to protect him from the counterattack and then charging the enemy across the map into a wall, right? Crumbling through a castle. Super cool. Uh, and we wanted it to, the, the system to sort of, I don't know, incentivize mm-hmm. those sorts of uh, actions and combos and maneuvers. So, yeah, we're really kind pleased. of help do some of the storytelling work for the GM as well because it's important it was important for us that this game be as much an out of the box experience not just for the players but for people who are interested in GMing as well so it was important for us that the rules do a lot of the load of storytelling so that the GM has the ability to take a breath focus on something else for a second sort of wrap their mind around what's happening and then proceed forward as opposed to feeling overwhelmed with the sort of the multiple juggling balls that have to be kept in the air or all the plates that have to be kept spinning simultaneously. That's awesome. I can just see like, you know, potentially in the future, if this hits as big as it sounds like it could potentially do, you know, you're going to have like the anime where you can show all that kind of combat, you know, going on. Oh, absolutely. How fun would that be? be Well, the artwork, I mean, certainly certainly begs for it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Artists have been (laughs) just stunning. That's amazing. That's amazing. How long is your Kickstarter going till? Gosh, it's not much left, right? The second, August second. August what 2nd. is that? Another week? Um, yeah, I think roughly eight days. Eight days. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little while longer of recording. <laughs> <laughs> At the time of this recording, yeah, it's about eight days. Yeah, there you go. Wow, that's neat. So can people still contribute to it if they're interested in this after hearing us they babble about it for a while? They can. You bet. They can. They're gonna uh, get in at the last minute, and if for some reason they happen to miss out. They can uh, uh, absolutely, uh, you know, reach out to BackerKit. Uh, hopefully, there'll be a, a period here where late pledges will be available. But I'd certainly encourage folks. The more we do during the main campaign during this last week, you know, the more awesome stretch goals we get. Right? That's more art for the book. That's bonus adventures. That's fun things we can do with miniatures. All sorts of cool stuff. So yeah. there's still time, and and we're still uh, chugging along. Yeah. 
Okay, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, like on your socials or online? Of course. We have a, a slew of... We're, we're on everything. So you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, be part of the community. And uh, of course, you know, most important of all is the Kickstarter itself. Just hop on the Kickstarter, look for Helgard, H-E-L-L-G-U-A-R-D, one word, uh, hop on the train. We'd love to have you along for the ride in Cana. This was so much fun. If you guys want to come back for whatever other projects you're doing, that would be phenomenal when you get oh there. You got plenty oh, of things going on you. right now, you know? But this absolutely. was cool. Anytime. We'll geek out about some other tabletop games. Yes, that absolutely. Good. Okay, with that, I'm going to close out the show. You have been listening to episode 370 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in game community and clan, at least in Diablo 3, is named Shattered Soulstone and it's open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.